Amen. And the Christmas story reads this way. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds Return glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Well, tonight and always, I want to talk to you about the simplicity of Christmas. You see, people stumble over its simplicity. We don't fully understand it. We can't comprehend it. We can't wrap our minds around it. The simplicity... Why did God choose Mary, of all people? Why Mary? She was a simple girl, a teenager, some say between the ages of 14 to 16 years of age, when she conceived of the Holy Spirit to bear the only begotten Son of God. Why Mary? She was of the lineage of David as well. And then there was Joseph. And why Joseph? He's a carpenter. You think, why a carpenter? Of it's, it was a, a noble trade, and yet it wasn't well on the ladder of success that some people may deem successful. It was a blue-collar job. And why Joseph? Why that trade? Why him? Why Nazareth? And then we look at the way that the angels announced the birth of Jesus. Why shepherds? I don't get that. Do you? I mean, they're smelly. They probably wore everything that they owned all the time. They were not allowed to worship in the temple because they had been with the animals and smelled like it. They were not part of your 
intellectual community. Why shepherds? And why out there in the fields where they were tending sheep, these smelly sheep, they didn't understand what was happening. And they were just shepherds that were tending their flocks of sheep. Why shepherds? Well, Max Lucado put it this way. That's why the announcement was made. Because Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the meek. And these shepherds were definitely among the meek. They didn't ask God if he was sure he knew what he was doing. Had the angels gone to theologians, they would have first consulted their commentaries. Had he gone to the elite, they would have looked around to see if anyone was watching. Had he gone to the successful, they would have first looked at their calendars. So he went to the shepherds, men who didn't have a reputation to protect, or an axe to grind, or a ladder to climb. Men who didn't know enough to tell God that angels don't sing to sheep, and that messiahs aren't found wrapped in rags and sleeping in a feed trough. Why the announcements to shepherds? Oh, we wouldn't have done it that way in 21st century America. No, sir. There would have been some kind of political heyday there. They would announce if he was a born king, which he was announced to be, the king of kings and the lord of lords. Oh, there would have been paparazzi. There would have been TV cameras. There would have been all kinds of red carpets and, and bands. Can you imagine at Buckingham when a baby is born, not to tell anybody, to announce it to shepherds of all people? I don't think so. Why shepherds? I don't fully get that story at all. Do you? And then, why Bethlehem? Of all towns, Bethlehem. No, sir, boy, he needs to be heralded in Hollywood, New York City, someplace that is the media capital of the universe. But no. Bethlehem. Bethlehem was insignificant. It was the town of David. Micah prophesied that's where the Messiah would be, so I guess that pretty much settled it. But Bethlehem, five miles from Jerusalem, uh, was not seen in very high esteem by the people in Jerusalem. It was just an outlying village. Nothing there. No city square. No downtown area. Why such an insignificant area? I like the way John Piper put it. He says... Why? Because when God acts this way, we can't boast in the merits or the achievements of men, but only in the glorious mercies of God. We can't say, well, of course He set His favor in Bethlehem. Look at the human glory Bethlehem has achieved. All we can say is, God is wonderfully free. He is not impressed by our bigness. So he does nothing in order to attract attention to our accomplishments. He does everything to magnify his glorious freedom and mercy. Why a stable? Does that sound strange? In my devotional this morning, I talked about Mary and Joseph. We all have uh, aspirations and hopes of of these idyllic Christmas mornings. You know, 
that, that perfect time that the Hallmark movie presents to you. I'm a little tired of Hallmark movies myself. They're all snowing. I was never raised in the snow. I was raised on the Gulf Coast. We didn't have snowy Christmases. And they all show where everybody is together on Christmas morning in that idyllic, wonderful, perfect marriage and family setting. Everybody is healthy. Everybody is wealthy. Everybody is well-dressed. And they're all kind and loving to one another. There's not a single crossword uttered. Well, that wasn't our family. <laughs> well... But we still, and in this time of the COVID situation, it's a situation where so many parents and children want to get together with grandchildren and great-grandchildren, relatives, and, and those are out the window now. Well, think back 2,000 years ago, Mary and Joseph. There they were, traveling 70 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. In her ninth month of pregnancy, we don't know how she got there. There's nothing in the scriptures that say she was on a donkey, a mule, a horse, in a cart, on foot. But they traveled 70 miles with her in that final month of pregnancy. I can hear the groans from the ladies in the audience already. <laughs> and when they got there, what were they up there for? To be taxed. There was a census being taken to make sure that the Roman government had gotten every penny out of the people they possibly could get. And so they were being taxed. There was a census being taken. And then the Jews who were exempt from military conscription, drafting, uh, only had to worry about the taxes if that wasn't enough. Those that weren't Jews were being conscripted into the Roman army. Hmm. What a great day. For 70 miles, Joseph had his betrothed wife Mary beside him hearing her pains with every step of the way then when they finally get to Bethlehem Joseph probably told her honey it's just right around the corner we'll have a nice place to sleep tonight little did she know little did he know so when they get to the one finally they get to the one end that was given to them as a possibility there's no room but the innkeeper offers them his stable. We don't know whether it was hewn out of rock, whether it was a cave, whether it was a wooden structure. The point is, is that Joseph goes into this stable area. And it smelled like animals and dung. Now, men, we expect better for our wives, don't we? We expect to have a place especially in that final moments of childbirth where there is a sterile environment and there are families all gathered around like the idyllic scene that we see on TV. And they're singing songs and, and they're excited and someone brings out the baby and, and the relatives gather around and there are people there to tend to the new mother. No family, no relatives, just Joseph and Mary. And there's this stinky stable that right now they're really grateful that at least they have a place out of the weather. It's tough. 
Why a stable? Why would God allow His only begotten Son to come in with, with animal smells and animal dung into that environment? Why not a palace? Bethlehem was in, insignificant enough, but why? Well, Piper continues by saying, God chose a stable so that no innkeeper could boast. He chose the comfort of my inn. God chose a manger so that no woodworker could boast. He chose the craftsmanship of my bed. He chose Bethlehem so no one could boast. The greatness of our city constrained the divine choice. And He chose you and me freely and unconditionally to stop the mouth of all human boasting. This is the point of Romans 11 and Micah 5. Wow. Well, as we see that, why Mary, why Joseph, why shepherds, why the stable, and why Bethlehem? Then we have to come to that final question about why us? Why us? Well, Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6 says, Yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment to his own, for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path and followed our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. You realize when the Scripture says about the birth of Jesus, he talks about Jesus coming into earth and being born. It wasn't that He was just born. He left His throne in the universe to come into earth for us. I don't understand it, and you cannot explain it to me. It's the grace of God that surpasses anything that you and I can comprehend. It goes beyond our finite, limited understanding. John 3.16 said, God so loved the world, you and me, that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should never perish, but have everlasting life. God so loved the world. I don't get it. That's grace. What can we give God that He doesn't already have? What can we do for God that He cannot do for Himself? I don't think there's an answer to that. 1 John 3, one says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. 1 John 4, verses 9 through 10 says, This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Wow, 1 Corinthians 1, 27-29 says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things so that no one may boast before Him. Why us? <laughs> That's the ultimate question, isn't it? Why you? Why me? And God said, why not? You see, 
Jesus has bigger things to do in life than to fill our empty stockings. He came to fill our empty hearts. The Bible says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of man. You can struggle with it. You can resist it. You can fight it. You can reject it. But God has placed Himself in your heart and your heart will never be full until you fill it with the salvation of Jesus Christ. That's the way Christmas presents itself. And God presented Himself to us in the form of a child and yet that child grew up to be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. But He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures and that He is coming. The first time Jesus entered into Jerusalem, was on a colt, a donkey. But let me tell you, there was no fanfare there. People were waving palm branches. It was a, we call it Palm Sunday. But let me tell you what's going to happen when he re-enters this atmosphere the next time. The Bible says the trumpets will sound. Everyone in the world will hear it. He came in a manger, in a stable. And I'm telling you the second time he comes. It will be with a lot of fanfare, folks. You want to see uh, someone that heralds an entry. The angels will announce it. The angels will sound the trumpets. The Lord will split the eastern sky. And we will all behold Him as of the only begotten Son of God. Every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. Why Mary Joseph? Why Bethlehem? Why stable? Why a baby? Why shepherds? God chose the lowly things of the world to confound the wise. It's the simplicity of Christmas that we often get confused. It's the simplicity of Christmas that we often miss. There are people today that are looking for the grandiose, the flamboyant. They're waiting to see lights. When they receive Christ as their Lord and Savior, they want to see fireworks. But He comes simply by invitation. We simply kneel at the feet of Jesus and behold His glory. Do you know Christ Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you trusted Him tonight if you don't know Him? Simply ask Him to come into your heart. Open the door. He comes in only by invitation. He won't barge His way into your life. He won't force His way. And that simplicity is also overwhelming to some people. They want to see that warrior. They want to see that person to come in and that strength. But He comes in in meekness. He comes in by invitation only. Have you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, we come to you today grateful for who you are. Father, the glory of Christmas completely blows us away. Father, we see the announcement by the angels. The announcements, the, the song, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Father, we see the shepherds couldn't, couldn't stand it. They had to go see what was announced to them. And they said everything that they were told was true. 
Lord God, may we honor you above all things on this Christmas Eve and beyond. May we turn our hearts and minds and souls to you. May we submit ourselves to you. May we honor you as the wise men did to give gifts fitting you. But the greatest gift that you want is us. You want our heart. Father, we offer it to you tonight. Thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.